We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Monday, March twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty two. Everybody, welcome to the Pack a Day podcast again on the video side. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am your host today. I am in place of Andy Herman, who again taking a much needed vacation. Uh, Going through my weekend here, I uh, had a very nice Sunday. Uh, both college basketball games were kind of duds. The Elite as a whole kind of was. Um, Duke beat up Arkansas, uh, North Carolina. The clock finally struck midnight on St. Peter's. That wasn't very surprising. Surprising, excuse me. And then uh, Kansas ended up pulling away from Miami in the second half, and that's one of the worst halves I've ever seen in the second half of basketball with uh, the Miami Hurricanes there. And then Villanova and Houston was a close game, but not a particularly good game. Uh, so your final four is Villanova and Kansas and then Duke versus North Carolina. And I'm not going to go too much into that just because I think the Duke North Carolina storyline is going to get a lot of play here between now uh, and next Saturday when they do have to play. So just wanted to go through that. I'm a sports fan all the way around. You guys can kind of see my Yankee jacket here. So I'm a baseball fan too. Basketball, football, I love them all. Uh, so I've been able to kind of watch that throughout the weekend. I did have a few questions uh, after yesterday's video about my Eagles hat. And the answer to that question is, if you know, you know why I wear this Eagles hat. So fly, Eagles, fly. Um, for today's show, it's Monday, and I wanted to do something I do over at Game On Wisconsin. Uh, sporadically, it's going to be more common now as we get into the month of April and headed closer to the draft. But it's Mock Draft Monday, and that's not an uncommon phrasing. I didn't you know, come up with that on my own, obviously, but I like to go through and use the draft network. Uh, they have a simulator there. I like that one more than some of the others. I find it a little more realistic. The reason I say that is a week ago, I did a draft on the pro football network um, simulator and I got Trayvon Walker at 22 overall and Trayvon Walker is a really good player. That would be awesome if the Packers could get him at 22 overall, but there's whispers about him potentially going number one. Uh, and I think he's somebody that's not going to get outside of the top five if not the top five, maybe then like the top seven or eight, certainly not the top 10 and certainly not a guy who's going to be in play for the Packers. So what I did was I wrote uh, my mock draft and I'm going to kind of take you guys through it. What I did, what I was thinking, the way I do these drafts is I go through the simulator and as it kind of progresses, I do the things that, you know, maybe I would do. Uh, sometimes that means I'm really aggressive and I trade up for a certain player that I have targeted. Sometimes it means I stick and pick. Sometimes it means I'm moving out uh, and you'll kind of see that here in this case that I was able to do on uh, this particular draft. 
And there are some other cases where, you know, it's not predictive. It's not what I think Brian Gutekunst would do. This is what I would do based on my opinions, players I've watched, the needs the Packers have. And if you guys saw yesterday, I gave you my five biggest needs that the Packers have uh, between now and the end of the draft. So we're going to go through some of those. And my first one, I kind of went through uh, all the way down the first couple of picks. All the edge rushers were basically gone. Uh, my take on the Packers specifically is there are five pass rushers uh, that I would want them to target at 22 overall. That is Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to go number one overall, more likely than not. And I've got two uh, bets on that right now. So I would really appreciate if Jacksonville would do that. There's some charity-related events that would take place if that were to happen. So I would appreciate that. Jacksonville, if you're listening, Doug Peterson, please take Aiden Hutchinson number one overall. Trent Bauke, you suck. But like, <laughs> but like, take him, please. I'm asking you. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, George Kalarftis, and Jermaine Johnson. And all of those guys were gone by pick 13. And I had an option to move up. Somebody called the Texans actually had moved down to 13 in this simulation. And they called and wanted to see if I could move up to 13, but they were asking for next year's first round pick. And that's just not something me personally, this is my philosophy. And this is just me. If I were a general manager and then whoever you're talking to or whoever you pray to or anything like that, then I am not, but I just personally would not trade another first round pick for a player who's not a quarterback. Uh, I just don't think that the value eventually is going to be worth that. There are some exceptions to that rule. Um, you know, for example, I know I was advocating for the Packers to trade for Khalil Mack when they had two first round picks in the same draft. And that to me was like, you're giving up two ones, but it's only one draft that you're doing that for. So if the Packers were to trade two first this year for a pass rusher, you know, say, this will never happen. But if Aaron Donald were to come available, then that would be something I would advocate for because it's just one draft that you're looking at in that case. And that's a really not great example because it wouldn't come up. That would never happen. The, the Rams aren't trading. Aaron Donald's one of the three, for my money's worth, one of the three greatest defensive players in the history of the sport behind or along with Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. And then you can kind of move from there as, as far as some of the other guys go. But those guys were gone. So I kind of let the draft play itself out. And then when it came closer to 22, my first pick in the first round, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave were all still available. So I started making calls and trying to move down. Uh, and that doesn't that also includes Tyler Lindenbaum was available. Kenyon Green was available. The Packers had, in my opinion, at that point, a lot of options that they could have gone with at 22. So I decided to try and find an extra pick there. So I called Tampa at 27 and Tampa Bay moved up to 22, giving me their second round pick which is pick number 60, and I dropped down to 27. Then right away, Garrett Wilson and Drake London went 22 and 24 uh, after that. So I called Buffalo immediately after that happened because what I didn't want to do is have what happened, say, in 2020, excuse me, when the Packers took Jordan Love, and not even just that, when the Packers were picking in each of the first two rounds, the receivers were just kind of picked clean in front of them. Everybody kind of knew that year the Packers were looking for some help at weaponry. So I decided instead of waiting and taking a chance that one of Chris Olave or Jahan Dotson, who I personally, I'm not that wild about Jahan Dotson, but I love Chris Olave. He's my number one wide receiver on the board. The pass rushers were gone. Uh, so I gave Buffalo a fourth round pick and that uh, along with pick number 27. And I moved up to pick 25. At that point, my options as I saw them were Chris Olave both of those offensive linemen I mentioned, Tyler Lindenbaum and or Linderbaum, excuse me, and Kenyon Green, 
along with uh, Traylon Burks, the other receiver from Arkansas at that point. So I took Chris Olave, and I think Olave is the perfect fit for the Packers. If you could pick a receiver in this year's draft that I think could step in and be a guy right away to help them replace Devontae Adams, I think it's Olave. I think Olave could, and I'm not saying this will happen. This isn't a prediction or anything like that. But I do think the Packers could stick Olave in their offense and pencil him in for 1,200 yards receiving next year. And he might, if the receiving core ends up being two rookies and then last year's holdovers, I think Olave would be the team's leading receiver as a rookie. And he's ready-made. He's a good route runner, in my opinion, the best receiver at Ohio State. And I do like Garrett Wilson. I know there's some scuttle about some Packers pundits that do not. Um, Peter Bukowski to kind of name one, Jacob Morley, my partner for the green Bay draft guide is another one. That's not that wild about Garrett Wilson, but I do like Wilson. I just like Olave better. So I was able to move back five spots and then move up two more and secure Chris Olave. As that happened, then I kind of went through the rest and the offensive lineman got picked in front of me and I had a choice then at pick 28. So I'm on the clock now at 28. I have Chris Olave in my back pocket as a player. And then I had to decide if I wanted to double dip at receiver. Traylon Burks was available. Uh, in addition, there were some other guys available, both offensive line or one of the offensive linemen, excuse me, Kenyon Green was available at that time. Linderbaum went to pick before. So I was looking between Traylon Burks and two of the defensive backs. So I was picking between Daxton Hill, the safety out of Michigan, and Lewis Seen, the defensive back out of Georgia. I went with Daxton Hill. I think that he at that point is a bit of a luxury pick. Safety, like we kind of talked about last night when I was talking through some stuff with you guys, it's a sneaky need. Uh, the Packers don't have a lot of guys under contract beyond this season. Adrian Amos may not be around. Darnell Savage may or may not be good. Uh, that certainly could be a problem. Daxton Hill is somebody that, at minimum, even if Savage and Amos are going to start next year, and they will, Daxton Hill is somebody who steps in and plays that Henry Black role. And at minimum, you can put in an upgraded 300 snaps. He played special teams at Michigan. And he's a guy who has played slot corner. He's played safety. He's played deep safety. I think he has an ability to do a lot of different things within this defense as a first-year player. And I thought there are fewer players that are going to be available like him later in the draft. You talk about guys like Jalen Petre and Jaquan Brisker and guys like that. Instead of having to move up and get one of those guys, because I've got my receivers in this case, I think there was a possibility of some second-round receivers falling to me. So what I did in this case was I took Daxton Hill. So my first two picks in the first round was after a trade. I had Chris Olave as my first round pick. And then my other first round pick at 28, I took Daxton Hill. So I've got receiver and I've got that third nickel safe or dime safety kind of wrapped up and kind of started moving as we got into the second round. And as the second round started, I was a little anxious just because like I mentioned, those five edges were gone. David Ojabo went 33rd overall. So I'm kind of thinking I'm going to, I might, this might end up just being a draft where I missed on the edge guys. And if I'm Gutekunst in that case, I'm going to have to, you know, not just resign Whitney Merciless, which maybe by then he's already done, but also maybe make a call about, you know, a trade candidate or a back end of the roster type of guy, just to add a little more juice, just because I personally don't have a ton of belief in guys like Jonathan Garvin and Tipa Nalea, which I talked about quite a bit yesterday. So I got a little nervous about that. I didn't want to package all of my picks to move up either just because there's some other needs on the roster. And then the Jets called me about wanting to move back uh, to pick number 59. So for pick 38 and pick 117, that's a fourth round pick. The Jets offered those two picks for pick 59 and next year's second round pick. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, is that something I think Brian Gutekunst would do? No, I do not. Um, Gutekunst has been hesitant to give up future picks uh, for players. He hasn't been shy about moving up in the draft, but future picks hasn't been something that he's done just yet. My thought here was trying to move up for somebody that I had targeted, so I looked at the available players on the board, and there was still one pass rusher available. If that guy was not available, I would not have done this. Uh, but my thought is, again, this is an all-in type of scenario with Aaron Rodgers for you know the next two years, maybe more, but you know at minimum the next two years. So that second round pick next year, maybe that's something that you recoup. Hopefully you're picking 32nd in a year anyways. So when you trade out, you kind of get that second round pick back anyways, or you can kind of figure out how to do those things. So I took Arnold Ebikite from Penn State. He's a guy that is rising up the board. Uh, for those of you that watch Wednesday nights, we have the gold zone with myself and Jacob Morley over at Game On Wisconsin. And we were talking with Justice Mosqueda, the edge rusher guy. And as far as edge rushers go, in my opinion, there aren't many, if any, better evaluators of that position. And he told me that I had been of the belief that there was a consensus that the top five guys were the guys that I mentioned earlier, you know, stopping with Jermaine Johnson uh, as that fifth guy. And Justice told me that wasn't his fifth guy. And Ojabo and Jermaine Johnson weren't his, you know, fifth guy, neither one of those guys. So he had Ebikite. And I believe I would have to go back and check. I think he said Boye Mafe was somebody that he had above both of those guys as well. But either way, Ebikite is somebody he had fifth on his chart. So I started watching him a little bit more because that caught my eye. And he's a good player, you know, power rusher, put up some numbers in a power conference in the Big Ten. I was able to move up without losing that higher second round pick. Uh, so it's in the middle of the three second round picks that I had right now, grabbed Ebikite and I can feel really, really good about the fact that I've added a starting receiver. I've added a third edge rusher and I've added a defect, not a starter, but a, a really good player that could start for me uh, in 2022 as, as a safety. So now through, you know, three picks and the first 39 picks, I have Daxton Hill, Chris Olave, and Arnold Abikite able to move and kind of go through some things. Then I just kind of sat and waited. Uh, I could have packaged 53 and 60 to move up, but there just wasn't anything there in terms of value uh, that I could find for myself. You know, some guys kind of sat there and were available. Uh, when I did get on the clock, some guys I also considered for Abikite were DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, and Sean Ryan, the offensive lineman from UCLA. But I just kind of thought I could wait on players like that. I also know Gutekunst likes to go hunting for offensive linemen on the third day of the draft. And I, I like Ryan. I don't love him. So 
that wasn't to me worth passing up. And Abikite was somebody that I thought could have been a first round pick. So Green Bay absolutely could do something like that. So now I'm on the on the clock at pick number 53. And I looked at a need that I thought. So my thought for the Packers in this draft is trenches and pass catchers. And that's kind of the way I look at the draft for the most part in general. If you change pass catchers to pass defenders, then that's something. But can never have enough quality guys in the trenches. And I know the Packers just signed Jaron Reed. And that's somebody that I think makes the roster, but he also may not. Either way, the Packers, in my opinion, need some long-term uh, talent at that position. So I was able to grab Travis Jones, the defensive lineman out of UConn. And after that, I mean, honestly, I could have hit stop on the draft and been just fine. Uh, and I would have been thrilled with the way it went. I got a receiver. I got two players to play in the trenches and I got a safety. I, you know, the rest of the draft, if this is the way it shakes, I'm good. I'm not real worried about the way the rest of this draft goes. Travis Jones is somebody that I have a relatively high opinion of. Uh, Nick Scheib, one of my draft writers over at Game on Wisconsin, told me that he was the next Chris Jones. That's lofty. Uh, Chris Jones is a heck of a player. And even if he's not that, though, I think he has some juice in the pass rush and the Packers need something like that. And they don't have Dean Lowry's a, a nice player. He had the best season of his career last year. That's probably not something he's going to be able to do year in and year out. Jaron Reed, at the very worst, is going to be a one-dimensional run defender and play in the run game. He can give you some juice in the pass rush. He does have a 10-sack season. I was stunned when I saw that that was the case. But even still, he's a one-year guy. Defensive linemen usually take a little while. He's somebody that could fit in. Even if in his first season he's behind those three guys I mentioned and TJ Slayton, he gives you some reps and guys that they roster in that specific scenario. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot else on the board at that point that I really seriously considered. Christian Harris would have been a nice coverage linebacker from Alabama. Roger McCreary was a cornerback that I could have looked at, but I just thought the value with Jones there was way too much to pass up. And then I'm on the board with pick number 60, which is the pick I got from my original trade back with Tampa Bay. So this is Tampa's second round pick that they gave me to move up to 22. And I was able then to take John Mechie, the wide receiver from Alabama. And I'm kind of sticking with my belief that I talked to you guys last night, that if the receiving core stands as it is right now, that I think the Packers need two pass catchers with their first four picks. Uh, Mechie was the best available guy at that point. Christian Watson was gone much earlier in the second round. I know a lot of Packer fans really like him. George Pickens was another guy. I really like him, but he was gone by the time I was on the clock. So with the ability of adding Olave, I can afford to be a little more patient with John Mechie and kind of wait on that ACL injury. He's somebody who was injured um, in either the SEC title game or the national championship game. One of those two, uh, he got injured and he might be ready for camp. He might not. It remains to be seen at this point, but Mechie's somebody that adds that deep speed. He is a little skinnier, thinner than what the Packers typically like at their receiver position. But this receiver class as a whole is something where the Packers might have to stray from those guidelines a little bit to grab some impact players. And frankly, as it stands right now, they don't have much of a choice. Uh, they're not going to be able, in my opinion at least, to go into next season, like I talked about last night, with Lazard, Cobb, Amari Rogers, and just kind of roll with it. That's not going to go well for them. So I think if you had Mechie, he can replace Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And that skill set as far as the deep speed that they're going to need um, whenever he's ready to come back. So I didn't consider much else at that point. I know David Bell was available. That's somebody that some people like. I am not so sure about that. I, I think that his uh, testing numbers are going to be something that not disqualify him, but I just think the Packers could very much look elsewhere. If they're picking between 
somebody who's smaller than what they typically prefer versus somebody who's not a great athlete. I think they'll side with the athlete that is a little bit smaller. So I took Mechie in that spot. And Jalen Tolbert was gone and some other guys too that may fit a little bit better. Round three, my last pick of this exercise, I got to pick number 92. And I was able to grab a tight end. I think the Packers need a influx of talent in that position room as well. Robert Tunyon is back, and that's good. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is here for one more year, maybe longer, who knows. Uh, and then you've got Tyler Davis, who we don't really know what he is. So the Packers need guys for both the short term and the long term. McBride, in my opinion, as of right now at least, is, is the best tight end in this draft. I think he just does the most things well. And the Packers, you know, there isn't a Jermichael Finley or somebody like that in this class, um, you know, maybe later in the draft, but I only did three rounds later in the draft, maybe grab somebody like Jelani Woods or the kid from Maryland who's got a really long name that I'm not even going to try to butcher at this point in the show. But I was able to grab McBride. I think it needs uh, some talent injection in that room, like I said. And I think that I looked at some other guys. Isaiah Likely was another one. Jeremy Ruckert was another one out of Ohio State, and I really like him as well. And I think the Packers will probably really like him in addition to that. But McBride steps in. He could play with Robert Tunyon. He could help replace Robert Tunyon if Tunyon's not ready right away. And he's just a little bit more of a true tight end as opposed to some of the guys on the roster right now, like Josiah DeGuara and Dominique Daphne and guys that are just more role players, backfield types, motion players, stuff like that, that they have, there's room for them in this offense, certainly, but asking, and we kind of saw it in the playoffs, asking Josiah DeGuara to be your line of scrimmage, stretch the seam tight end is putting him in a position to fail. And I think the Packers know that. They just didn't have much choice otherwise for for what they were able to do. So as we go through the final part uh, of this draft here, I was able to grab it and going in reverse order here. Trey McBride, John Mechie, Travis Jones, Arnold Ebikite, Daxon Hill, and Chris Olave through three rounds. So I've added three pass catchers, if you include the tight end, and two players to go on the defensive line of scrimmage. So what do I like about that? Obviously being able to add the talent. I love Chris Olave. He's going to be the favorite for a lot of people. I've been on the board for a while saying he's the best receiver in this class. That includes Drake London. That includes Garrett Wilson. That includes the other guys, whoever you want to throw at me. Olave is my number one. And I don't think there's any question about that. And I think not only is he the best receiver, but he's the one who fits the Packers the best on this side of things. Trey McBride, step in. Maybe It doesn't have to plug and play, but I think he could plug and go uh, on the tight end side of things and just kind of help, even if it's as a role player initially. And he could probably give you a little bit of juice on special teams as well. Daxton Hill is another guy that, like I mentioned, he can kind of be a role player early. Maybe he becomes a starter in the following years. Who knows? And he also has that, like he's played slot corner. He's played safety. He's played all over. So if the Packers were to get an injury, he can kind of be a chess piece. And I know they love that versatility with their defense backs. And I typically do as well with some of those guys. Uh, Arnold Abikite, like I mentioned, he's that team. He's that third pass rusher. If they do bring back Whitney Merciless, that's cool. He can play in that second group. Uh, if they want to put three guys on the field at the same, same time, maybe that's merciless to start, but he could very easily give way to Abikite as we get through the rest of the season as he starts to develop. And Travis Jones was somebody that I thought was going to add a lot to the defensive line room, and the Packers need some talent in that defensive line room long-term. And I think Jones compared or combined with Kenny Clark is going to be something that could be a force for years to come. Now, what I didn't like about this draft in particular – there's not a whole lot. It is kind of nitpicky. Um, you know, I would be 
I like Mechie, like I mentioned in that spot, but I was hoping for someone, like I mentioned, George Pickens, Jalen Tolbert, somebody like that to fall when I was there, but they didn't. So I quote unquote settled for John Mechie. That's not bad. Uh, Abikite, I do like him, but I was hoping earlier that Kalarftis and Jermaine Johnson would be on the board. I just couldn't feasibly move up from one of those guys. David Ojabo was available for both of my picks in the first round. I just don't feel comfortable picking a pass rusher in the setting that Green Bay's in right now and basically redshirting him for a year because of injury. Cause he's, he got injured a couple days ago with a, you know, a week or so ago with an Achilles injury. Cam Akers came back in the playoffs after missing in July. Like it is possible. I just don't think. And then you add in that Ojabo was kind of a project anyways. He's going to have, he's a young player in his football career. He's got some things he needs to learn. He's got some issues in the run game, which I think the Packers may have taken some pause about anyways, but I just wasn't able to get one of those pass rushers. And then also the offensive line. You know, I've gone through the first three rounds. I haven't picked an offensive lineman yet. If I were Gutekunst in this scenario, you know, my day three selections, I would probably use quite a few of them on offensive linemen and another tight end. You know, I had two or three guys uh, on the offensive line and then another tight end to just try and take another shot there grab maybe, you know, another running back. Uh, if you could do something like that, maybe another speed type receiver returner type, if something like that were to happen, but that was my draft. That is three rounds. You can find that if you want to read it game on wi.com that'll be out uh, this morning. So feel free to check that out. Check out the green Bay draft guide, which I mentioned yesterday. You can get that for a song. It's less than $10. And I will be back tomorrow with Ross Uglum and Jacob Morley talking about, we'll see what happens throughout the course of the day. But until then, check me out. I'm on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. I'm looking forward to being with you guys for the rest of or some of this week and then, you know, whatever else comes up between now and then. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy your Monday. And we're getting closer and closer to the draft. It's one month from today. So enjoy that. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. And go, Pat, go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.